Today's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. This is the word of God. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is the word of God. All right. Hello, everybody. Hi. All right. Hello, all the young people. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you're old, you can still identify as young. You could have said hi. That was your chance. Um, my name is Joe or Joseph. Uh, I am the children's ministry and youth uh, pastor. And, I, and uh, um, so today uh, we want to talk about, uh, as Susan was saying before, uh, core values and uh, in particular family. Um, and uh, within the whole family uh, idea is this idea of next generation. And uh, I really want to kind of pare down and get into this next generation idea. And, um, and let's talk about that. But let me pray first, and then uh, we'll go ahead and get into that. Okay, so let's pray one more time. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we can come together and uh, as, a, as a big family, as a big church, and uh, just enjoy your word, uh, enjoy your presence, enjoy each other. And uh, Lord, as we uh, kind of uh, think about our core values, help us not to just, um, as Damon said, just look at them as something on our website or something on our wall, but uh, something that's really in our heart that we live, an attitude that uh, really springs forth life within us uh, to go and do something uh, for not ourselves, uh, but uh, for something that uh, maybe we can't even imagine uh, in the future, uh, but the generations that are coming ahead of us. Uh, Lord, this is how you lived, uh, looking forward, and help our eyes to always look forward as yours did. Um, so as we go into your word, be with us, and uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, as I was saying, um, next generation. Okay, next generation is a very forward-thinking idea, and of course, it's important to think of the future. Um, but uh, when I think about next gen, and I think often when I say this word next gen, the first thing that comes to our mind is like children, right? Children, you look around the room, give high five to a child. High five, child, child. Someone that looks young, high fives, okay? So uh, usually we think about them, and rightly we should, because you guys, you little guys, and you smaller people, you younger people are our next gen. You're our next generation, okay? But um, I don't want to just limit it to that, okay? Because I think we can think more broadly and uh, when we think about next gen, we can also think about anyone coming after us, okay? Anyone coming after us, okay? So uh, whether um, that is, okay, this morning, or not this morning, this afternoon, early this afternoon, okay, um, I saw Sunho, and he was walking around, he was sitting, he looked a little lost, and he's like, uh, this is my first time being an usher today. So I was like, you know who's a good usher? Joshua! 
All right, Joshua, he's done it many times. So I was like, Joshua, why don't you teach him everything that you know about ushering? Joshua was like, okay, come over here. I'll show you how to fold these bulletins. Okay, so Joshua was ministering to his next generation of future ushers and welcoming committee. Okay, so it's not necessarily like, you know, enclosed by age only. It has to be someone younger than you. It has to be someone, you know, 10 years apart from you. No, it can be anyone that is coming behind you, uh, whether that is welcoming committee, whether that is, you know, maybe you're a newer person in the church, right? You've only been here for a few months. Someone else walks in the door. Hey, there's your next generation, right? That's a ministry opportunity, Okay, maybe uh, you're a part of the praise team and, uh, you know, uh, someone new comes on and, and they're joining. Right? Maybe they're older than you. Maybe they're the same age, but that doesn't matter. That's a next generation opportunity. Okay, maybe uh, you guys are part of the GLF small groups, community groups, and uh, you're a leader or you're a member or there's a new person that comes in. Okay, there's a next generation opportunity for you to uh, share something, give something that you have that you've learned to someone that hasn't experienced something yet. Okay? And when we think like that, then um, I think it opens up many more opportunities right, than if we only think of, uh, it's for kids. Like, I'm not a good you know, children's teacher. I'm, I'm terrible with kids, so this has nothing to do with me. Or I'm not a parent. You know, I'm single. Like, this has nothing to do with me. Right? It has everything to do with you because right? the church is a family. When we look at the church as a family, right, all of a sudden, right, we got to think of how we can raise each other up. Right, uh, with whatever God has given us, whatever experiences, and spread that out uh, amongst all of us. Okay? Um, so uh, when we think about next generation ministry in the church, okay, this can't be just like a regular kind of part of the church. Like this is just a regular thing that we do in the church. But our church needs to be kind of like obsessed with this idea. Right? We need to be obsessed with this idea. And um, um, this is a good time to kind of be thinking about this, okay? I know we've done these kind of like church value things in the past, right? But um, as a new church plant, if you're a, a new here, we are a relatively new church plant, okay? We are very much figuring out what our identity is, okay? Like if you say, what is Revive Church good at? And you ask me, I would still be like, I don't know, all right? We've only been here for like less than a year and we're still, or like about a year and we're figuring these things out, right? Which means... This is the time where we need to aggressively try, like, whatever, okay? Like, oh, let's, um, you know, Trinity Church is giving us so many ministry opportunities, whether um, it's stay and play or the Hope Store or uh, doing, you know, the praise night together. We need to aggressively try these different things because we're, we're learning, we're exploring. And it's like, uh, it's like we're, like, going off to college and just exploring who we are and figuring out, you know, who are we going to be as an adult? You know, who are we going to be as a new church, right? So we got to go try things and aggressive, you know, don't just sit there and wait for something to happen, right? But we got to constantly, you know, be uncomfortable and, you know, use our time and, and sacrifice our time to explore who does God want this church to be? What does he want our ministry focus to be, okay? So um, this is a great place to try to just experiment and go after it. Okay, maybe you've never done anything with children, or maybe you've never thought about how I can serve or become a leader in some way, shape, or form, or maybe I've never thought about joining a GLF, a small group, 
right? But this is a time to aggressively do that. Maybe the small group ministry is the core of what this church is going to be. And this is like, you know, this is the way that God wants to grow us. And, and you know, that needs to be central. Or maybe uh, this uh, life on life discipleship ministry. Someone asked me about that. Maybe this is how God wants to grow this church. We need to aggressively pursue that, right? We need to, whatever opportunity happens, right, we need to jump on it. And, and even though we're uncomfortable about it, even though we're not sure about it, we just got to do it, right? Until we can kind of figure out like, what does God want in our church? And what does God want us to be a part of? Okay, so um, again, we need to be obsessed with next generation, right? This idea, Because right? um, if you think about it, right? A lot of you guys are professionals. Every business, every company is obsessed with what the next generation of their company is going to be. Right? Just last week, uh, if you're kind of like a tech person, you know that there was a big conference called CES. Right, which uh, some of our members went to. Okay, and, and if you know anything about CES, right, what is every single company there doing? They're pitching their new ideas and their new products and their new things, right? Because they want to be known for like, not just what they are. Okay? Apple is never satisfied with just like iPhone 10, iPhone 11. Right? They're not just going to sit on that. They need to work on 12, 13, 14, and 15. Okay, and if a company ever stops thinking forward to what their next generation product is, that company is going to die very soon. Okay, they're not going to survive very long. Okay, and that has to be the same kind of attitude that we have in our church. Okay, we always have to think about what is the next generation of our church going to be? Right, and when we figure that out, or, or you know, when we figure out that is important, okay, then that drives us towards certain goals. Right, and, and, uh, and motivates us towards uh, certain missions. Okay, so uh, when we think about it, right, our business as a church is people. Okay, we need to invest in people. Right? And uh, when we think about the next gen of our people, again, um, or not again, but for the first time I'm telling you, right, fundamentally, right, when we think this way, really this is, this is an identity question. Right? When we think about what is our next generation, Right? We're thinking about who are we as a church? Like, what is our fundamental identity? Okay, what is, and, and that's why it is a core value. Right? That's why it's a core value. Right? We're thinking about who we are and who we're becoming, right? and, and who is everyone behind me going to be? Right? And we've got to push those things together and think about that. Okay? So let's get into our passage. All right, let's get into our passage, and we'll explore that. Okay, and uh, as we do, um, this will be a little bit of a shorter message, and, you know, you younger guys are probably like, Joe's just talking. There's no pictures. All right, but there'll be pictures soon. Just give me a second. All right, and uh, it'll, it'll be a little bit shorter, a little simpler and to the point, but let me just get into this. So let me start reading from verse 20 again. It said, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. All right, so these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Okay, so right away, um, we have this little game of telephone. Have you guys ever played telephone? You know, you whisper something to the next person, then you whisper something, okay? And, um, you know, there's always, like, that guy, right? That guy that, like, you know, he knows, he heard it, like, elephants choose, right? And uh, they're like, I'm just going to mess it up and say, he sat on the toilet, right? And then, like, you know that guy that just, like, always just screws it up just on purpose, just because they're annoying, right? And for some reason, Jesus is that guy, 
okay? Because like, they're like, oh, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And then Jesus like, comes out with this thing out of nowhere. Truly, you know, I say unto you, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, right? And you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, these guys just want to say hello to you, and you're like doing this weird other thing, okay? But that's Jesus, okay? That's Jesus, and that's cool, all right? But uh, as verse 23 says, all right, Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Okay, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Right? And I don't think anyone is expecting this answer, right? but that's what he said. Right? And, and that's kind of a weird thing to say when you're not expecting that. Right? And if you put yourself in the shoes of those people at that time where Jesus was uh, saying this, right, what would you think? Right? So, uh, for example, if uh, Joseph, uh, our worship leader, not me, Joseph, okay, our worship leader, he gets up here and it's closing praise time and he says, all right, now is the time for me to be glorified. What would you think? Man, that arrogance, that annoying. It's like, does he think he's really that good? I mean, he's good, but he's not like that good where we glorify him. Like, what's he doing up there, right? And, and if you were in the people's shoes and, jo- and Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, like, they were probably thinking, like, what, what is this guy talking about, right? But uh, fortunately for us, okay, hopefully, um, you know, as uh, we kind of see it now, we sort of understand that what Jesus was really saying there was, um, the hour has come for me to die, Okay, that's the, the translation for us because we know what's going to happen. Right? This is uh, chapter 12 of John. Okay? It's getting near the end of the book, right? which means uh, his suffering, his crucifixion is coming soon. Right? So Jesus says, again, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And for our ears, we should hear the hour has come for me to die. Right? These are my last words. Right? These things are important. The things that I'm going to say are important. Okay? If your uh, mother or father was going to pass away soon, Right? They would not just like, give you silly words like, you know, oh, make sure you wear clean underwear every day, okay? but they would give you words that were like, really important, you know, and you would listen to them. And this is what Jesus does. Okay? As we uh, look at verse 24, all right, he says, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Uh, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, so let's start at the beginning of that, where it says, truly, 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 truly. Right, when we see words repeated, right, they are very important. Okay, let me uh, try that again. Right, when we see things repeated in the Bible, they are very, very important. Ah, you see what I did there? Okay, so um, they're important. Right? And Jesus is not making like, you know, just a, a normal comment, but he's focusing attention on this idea that he's about to bring us, okay? So uh, I can get to our first slide, all right? And uh, as it says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, okay? So um, I'll duck out of the way and uh, show our little graphic, all right? So there's our grain of wheat on uh, your left, and there's our sad guy, and he's alone, all right? So um, I like to do definitions. So uh, for all you kids, if any of you can help me, all right, what does the word alone mean? What does the word alone? All right, Solomon, what does alone mean? Alone means by yourself. Okay, by yourself. Very good. Taylor, you have something to add to that? Single. 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 All right. Taylor, you don't know it, but you just hurt the feelings of a lot of uh, people in this room. Single. All right. 
but you, you, re, you reached into the depths and you've really brought them into this message. That's good. Okay, so single, by yourself. Okay, one more, Joshua. Okay, without anyone else. Okay, without anyone. Very good. Okay, uh, when you are single, all right, just like these guys are saying, you're separated, you're single, you're alone, you're by yourself, you're isolated, right? And, and is that... I mean, sometimes that's a good feeling. Sometimes that's what you want, okay? Sometimes, you know, we have introverts in the room and they can only take so much of people and they need to get away and then they feel really good. But um, the way it's being used in this passage in context, right, when we see the word alone, right, it's, it's a negative, right? It's a negative, right? It's alone, right? But it doesn't mean just alone, okay? Um, let me read part of verse 25, the first half, because uh, it kind of uh, parallels it and gives us a little bit more inside, insight to it. It says, whoever loves his life loses it. Okay, whoever loves his life loses it. So unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, right? And whoever loves his life loses it. All right, so what more is it saying? All right, what more can we add to this definition in context for alone? Okay, and I'll add this, right? It means more, okay? And uh, part of what the more meaning is, is it's not fulfilling its purpose, Okay? Part of being alone is it's not fulfilling its purpose. It's refusing its identity. Right? It's being selfish. It's only thinking about itself. Okay? So when we have this seed over here and it wants to remain alone, right, what Jesus is telling us is this seed doesn't want to go in the ground and die. It wants to remain a seed. Right? It loves itself. I love being a seed. I don't want to be anything else, so I'm not going to go in the ground and die. Right? I don't want to do that. It's being selfish. It's not, it's not accepting what it is. Okay? It's not accepting what it is as its creation. Right? Uh, which is interesting. Okay, which is interesting. Uh, let me ask this question. Uh, it's not for us to answer. It's just kind of um, just to think about. Uh, why, why are we selfish? Why are we selfish? Have you ever thought about that? Why are people selfish? Like, th- there's so many like weird sins or weird... Um, negative things that people do, but um, it's strange because we know it's something that we shouldn't do, but it still plagues us in humanity. Like, there's people that are always selfish. It's weird, right? You think about it? Like, why are people selfish when we know it's not a good thing? Why, why, why? Why? Right? No one teaches us how to be selfish. No one needs to teach us. All you parents know that, right? No one needs to teach your kids how to be selfish. You just know that when they start growing up, they become selfish. Right, there's this dreaded moment in all your lives, okay, all the, everyone's life, right, for your parents, right, and um, there's a couple words that uh, your parents, all the parents in the room, they hate, right, and one of those happens to be this word, mine, okay? Kids, what, what happens when you say mine? Your parents go like, no, share with your brother, share with your sister, share with your friend, right? Do your parents do that? And, and you know, for us older people, we remember that right? It's, it's one of those weird things that no matter who it is that I've ever met in my entire life, every single time a little kid says mine, the parent never fails to stop whatever they're doing, like this is the most important thing in the entire world, and stops, sits their kids down and says, no, you have to share. No, you have to share. Okay, when they get a toy, mine. <laughs> no, share. Okay, it always happens. It always happens. I, I bet you throughout the entire history of the world, unless you grew up as like a supreme ruler, like you were taught to share, right? 
So it's, it's weird. Like, why is it such a struggle? Right? And for the, like, the first 12, 15 years of your life, your parents are like adamant about teaching you about sharing and not being selfish. Right? But for some reason, like if you were to draw like a, a chart, you'd see like the, the need for not being selfish or thinking about others kind of like starts to decline and disappear. Right? And all of a sudden when we become adults, it's not as important not to share. It's not as important not to think about other people. Because then all of a sudden it becomes like, what's your major? What's your job? What's your career going to be? You know, the, the, a long time ago, the army used to have uh, the slogan, you're an army of one. You know, everything's about you. I used to have a boss that, um, you know, uh, when I used to work for an engineering company, and I had a boss that always thought, you always got to think about number one. And, you know, at the time, it was, um, the economy was bad, so companies were, you know, letting people go. So he was like, you know, he was really a good manager, and he always told, his, told us, like, you always got to think about number one. So he's telling us, you know, you don't have to worry about us. You know, if you need to go find another job, you know, go do that. You know, think about yourself. Think about yourself first. Okay, which is not what parents ever teach kids, right? The parents, I would, you never hear from a parent's mouth. You've got to think about yourself first. All right, tail, think about yourself first, not you. No, no, never. But as adults, we do it all the time. All right, sorry, kids. We're sinners, right? We're sinners. It's weird. It's very weird, right? My career, my time, my money, my life, whatever else you want to add in front of my fill-in-the-blank, right? Um, I think we need some older people stepping into our lives and telling us, no, right? You need to share. You need to share your life. You need to share what God's given you. You need to share your career. You need to share your time. Share your abilities, Okay, it's not just yours. Okay, it's not just yours. Uh, but um, here we have it. All right, God's accusing people, uh, people like me. Uh, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Okay, so let me keep going. All right, but if it dies, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, so here's our lonely guy. And seed goes in the grounds. All right, much fruit. All right, and... Um, some of you smart ones are like, wasn't that a grain of wheat? How did an apple tree? All right, it's just a picture. It's just for illustration purposes. All right, but if a fruit dies, all right, uh, my young people, what's a fruit? Tell me what a fruit is. Uh, Christopher, what's a fruit? Okay, it's something that we eat. All right, what else is a fruit? Teo. Okay, yeah, it's like a vegetable, but it has seeds on the inside. Okay, that's good enough. That's good enough. All right, we're just killing it there, okay? You guys did awesome, okay? It's something that we eat, right? And it has, like, the important part that defines a fruit is it has a seed inside of it. Okay, so there's a fleshly part of it. Okay, this thing has a cool green laser. So let me use that. All right, there's like a fleshly part, all right, that we like, and it's sweet. Uh, oftentimes it's sweet and it's good to eat. All right, but there's also a seed. There's also a seed inside of it. Right. Um, so um, when we define the word fruit, okay, it's a plant or tree, often sweet and fleshy, has a seed. Right? And um, we can also add to this definition right, when we're looking in the context. Right? It's the opposite of what Jesus was saying is alone. Okay? So if alone is being selfish, if it's only thinking about ourselves, if it's refusing its identity, if it's not fulfilling its purpose, right, then when we think about the fruits, 
right? Then all of a sudden, we're thinking about something that is fulfilling its identity. It's thinking about others. It's caring for other people, right? And it's doing a multitude of wonderful things. Okay, so again, let me divide the fruit into two parts, right? The seed, the seed, obviously, the seed reproduces, right? It forms more fruit. Right? So uh, Christians create other Christians, right? Because we have to tell other people about the gospel. Right? So the seed is uh, discipling other people, teaching other people, telling other people so that we can have more Christians, right? more believers. And the fruit, right? um, we can think of, you know, when you think about fruit in the Bible, hopefully your mind goes straight to uh, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all those wonderful attributes, wonderful things that come out. Okay, so uh, when people are dying, right, they're not being selfish, they're thinking about other people, right, they're refusing just being alone and just thinking about themselves, right, then the world becomes a better place too, okay? We have better relationships because we're loving each other. We're, we're seeing this fruit. We're having more joy, uh, more kindness spreading around, more self-control, Okay, and, and that's good, right? No, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Right? If a fruit dies, it bears much fruit. Much fruit. Yeah, uh-oh. Right? Right, so let's talk about this word die. Okay? Um, I'll define this for us because it's so simple. Right? When we die, we stop living. Right? When we die, we stop living. Right, but um, whew, right, this is one of those in, in children's ministry where we stop and we're like, the Bible is not telling us all to kill ourselves. Do not kill yourself. All right, just to make sure, because kids, you know, they just take things. But, so we're not killing ourselves, okay? Not necessarily. Sometimes God does call us to go to the extreme and to the end and die for people, okay? But uh, normatively, right, um, the idea is to put someone else ahead of your own will. Okay, when we're dying for others, we're putting other people uh, before our own will, before our own desires. Right? A lot of times we're doing things that we don't want or like to do. Right? And sometimes it's simply just being a fool for other people. Right? We're making ourselves a fool for other people. Right? Um, and of course, the person saying this is all Jesus. Right, so the direct interpretation of this is Jesus dying for us, Jesus being a fool for us, Jesus uh, doing things that he doesn't want to do. You know, if, if there's any way this cup can be taken from me, but not my will be done, your will, as Jesus was saying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right, Jesus is the one uh, thinking about other people ahead of his own. Right? And the weird thing about it is Jesus is one of the, probably the only person in the entire universe that deserves to be alone, right? He doesn't, he deserves to, you know, spend time with, he doesn't need to serve other people because everybody, all the people are his creation. Like, how how is the creation going to say, I demand you to be with me, right? So it's weird. Right, but here Jesus is demonstrating for us, right, by dying on the cross for all of us so that he can show us what it means to die and what it means to bear great fruits. Okay, um, if you were 
uh, here a number of weeks ago uh, when we were doing our Christmas message that I was uh, demonstrating to you. You know, when Jesus comes into the world, he changes the entire world. The entire world benefits. Jesus gave great fruit to the world. Right? Whether we're Christians, whether we're atheists, whether we're Scientologists, whatever the heck you are, right, you have benefited from Jesus being in this world. Right? Through hospitals, education, art, literature. Right? Jesus has, you know, through his life, right, the whole course of the world shifted. Right? And entire nations and civilizations started thinking differently. Right, and this whole country of America and its laws and its freedom, like all these ideas come from this person of Jesus. Okay, so even in that alone, there is great fruit. And then when we start participating in not just thinking about ourselves, not just thinking about our own time, not just thinking about you know, our, our own, you know, I, I, can't, I can't fit in GLF this week because, you know, it, it's amazing to me. I'll just put it out there, and maybe this is going to slap some of you guys right in the face, okay? It's amazing to me. Um, I've been doing education for so long, college, youth, um, uh, children's. It's amazing to me how parents prioritize life, okay? And, and I'm not saying this to, you know, make you feel bad, but just, just for us to think, and we need to open up our minds, okay? Uh, when it comes to science fairs, recitals, uh, test-taking classes, whatever that might be, all of a sudden, the Red Sea parts and the kids are 100% available for those things. It's amazing. Right? But when it comes to Bible study or retreats or whatever else, all of a sudden, there's no room for that in my life. You know, there's too much traffic. There's, you know, too much this, there's too much that. And it's, it's amazing to me. When it comes to selecting colleges, for you guys that have selected colleges, it's like, whoosh, Red Sea opens, let's go travel, let's go visit this college, let's go do this, let's go hire you a tutor to write applications, let's do that and that. The whole finances, everything opens up for you to be able to grow in that capacity, which I'm not saying that's wrong, rightly so. Take care of your children. Okay? But when it comes to Christian education, where, you're, you're, where your kids are going to be in the future, everything closes up. Oh, my, kid, my kid's got to study for SAT class this weekend. He doesn't have time for a revival meeting, praise night. There's no time for that. I can't drive him there, drive her there. Okay? And that happens. That happens all the time. When I was doing college ministry, I told them, it's like, it, never, it never fails to shock me that parents are... Like 100% on board. I'm just slamming the parents right now, right? Do you guys feel it? 100% on board. Harvard, Yale, Stanford, all the way, right? And I asked the kids, how many of you, you, your parents cared if there was a church 100 miles from that campus? Did, did any of your parents give a care about that? And out of a room of about 50 people, two kids raised their hands. Two. Right? And these are kids that are raised Christian. It's like that, to me, that's like, that's shocking. Okay? So, um, yeah, let me stop hitting you guys. <laughs> All right? But I'm just trying to reinforce the idea. Okay? Um, that, that we need to die for something valuable. Okay? Not just for these temporary things. And they're important. I'm not saying don't do it. Spend your time, you know, 
investing in your kids and their future and where they're going to be, um, all their gifts and talents, you know, grow them, right? But also, you know, keep in mind that that's not the most important thing. Okay, there are more important things. Okay, so let me go on. Let me go on. Um, let me finish up with the pastor. Again, 25, whoever loves his life will lose it. Okay, whoever thinks the most important things in my life are my career, are my Nintendo Switch, are, you know, my kills in Fortnite, are my, you know, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I need to find someone. Right, whoever loves his life, that's the most important thing in this entire world, will lose it. Okay, but whoever hates his life, in this world, will keep it for eternal life. Whoever recognizes that there is more than just this life, right? they are the ones that recognize that there is Christ right? and there's something more eternal. Uh, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay, so Jesus obviously is saying this about himself, but he's also saying, you know what, my servants do this too. Right, my church needs to do this too. Right, Christians need to do this too. Right, they need to be ones that die alongside me, right, giving up um, their wills, their wants, their skills, their talents, their time uh, for kingdom purposes, for other people, for greater things. Okay, so uh, let me get to uh, the second point and give you three practical steps, right, three uh, really practical steps, and then we'll finish up. Right, so let me just clear this. Um, um, when I'm thinking about practical steps, what, we, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Um, the most obvious thing is, okay, let's do something for our next generation. Okay, let's think about something. And, and um, that's the most obvious, and we'll get there, but let me start somewhere else. Okay, let me start somewhere else. And let me say, uh, maybe the first step that might help us is, let Jesus be the seed that dies for you. Okay, let Jesus be the seed that dies for you. There's enough church, there's enough Christians, there's enough people running around doing religion, okay, just doing some deed, just doing something good. Oh, I served at a homeless shelter. I, I did this. All great things, okay, but they're just practicing religion, okay? They're not practicing uh, faith based on this identity that they have, and that's the reason they go out and do something, okay? So um, for the Christian, right, Jesus is the beginning of our identity. He is who we are, right? Our identity needs to be based on the foundation of something strong, something great, Okay, that's why, um, you know, so many of us base, you know, for older, um, you know, um, the first questions we always get is, like, what do you do? It's like, oh, I'm an engineer. I work at this company, right? And, you know, why is the first answer to the question of what do you do, who are you, you know, always our job, our career? Right? Because that's something we think that's strong that we can base our identity on, right? So, um, for uh, younger people, like your identity, a lot of it is in what college you went to. Uh, I went to UC Davis. I went to University of Illinois. I went to this college. And, you know, the better the status of the school, the better our identity. Okay, but um, our identity, the strongest foundation that we can have is our identity in Jesus. Okay, and we need to let that be our identity. Right, so uh, we need to let Jesus be the seed that dies for us. We need to think about that. We need to meditate on it. We need to ponder. We need to wake up, uh, putting it in our mind. You know, Jesus is the seed that died for me. He loved me. Right? He gave it all for me. He sacrificed. Right? And that conditions our brain to start thinking about how we respond, how we act. Okay, so out of that foundation, that's 
where we love other people. That's where we're kind to other people. That's where we serve other people. Because if we serve and love and are kind to other people out of our own strength, then we get tired and we fail. And that's where, you know, we burn out. You hear those words in church. Because people are doing it out of their own strength. They're just doing religion. But out of Christ, right, it brings in a whole new ballgame of energy and being. Let me just say it this way and I'll go on. Uh, just to move quickly. All right, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Right? And then what's the second? The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, is the greatest commandment, love your neighbor so that God will approve of you or do religion so that God will love you. No, no. All right, we start with loving God, appreciating who God is, looking to God, looking up at God. All right, before we can love other people, right? Because again, that's foundational, right? This is who I am in Christ, right? Now that I know who I am, now that I know how God loves me, I can love other people the same way. And where I feel like I fail to have that energy, strength, ability, right? then I go back to God and I look deeper into who he is and how he loved me. And then I learn to love other people, okay? So uh, practical step one, let Jesus be the seed that dies for you, okay? Practical step two, right? then do we start loving other people? No! All right, that's my, this is my opinion, okay? No! All right, so you can do whatever you want with it. If it's my opinion, whatever. No, all right? Let me, let me ask you to do this. Let people die for you. Let other people die for you too. Okay, we're always, um, we're always, it's, it's so easy to like, you know, oh, I, go, I went and go did my good thing and now I can go. Right? But when it comes to like letting other people love us, we're like, no, 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 I don't need your help. I don't need your help. It's like, oh, can I help you with that? No, 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 I don't need your help. I don't need you to serve me. Oh, can, can you, um, you know, how, how are you doing? I, you know, it's like, how, how is life? It's like, no, nah, everything's great. I don't need you. I don't need you. Right? And we do that all the time. We're so prideful. We protect ourselves from other people. Okay? Um, so we got to ask ourselves, you know, are you putting yourself into positions, places where people have the opportunity to die for you, to invest in you, to give themselves to you? Right? Are you giving them time and space so they can serve you? Right? Um, you know, this is why it's weird, like when we have like these big churches and people can just show up to church, do their service, sing their song, get their message, and then just like walk right out the door, Right? Because it's just about them. They're alone. Right? They're not part of anything. All right? So let people die for you. Let Jesus die for you. Let other people die for you. Okay? And then, and then, right, die for other people. Okay, die for other people. Okay, and let me put it this way. All right? So um, I thought of this. Right? Die like you're fishing. Any of you guys like fishing? 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 Some of you guys? Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is when you go fishing, right, you go, you pack your bags. A lot of times you go out early in the morning. You go, you drive out somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and then you sit there in front of some water, and you go, zoof, right? And then you just like, right? the reason people hate fishing is because, like, you're not doing anything for hours, right? But fishing, that's the whole point. You don't do anything for hours, and then all of a sudden, for like 30 seconds, what? And then you think you caught something, and then it's just like some like seaweed, right? But then like for another hour, 
And then like for two minutes, you finally catch something and it's exciting and something happens and something's going on. Okay, but what do you have to do to get that like one to two minutes of pleasure? You have to wake up early in the morning, drive out into the middle of nowhere and sit somewhere for hours at a time, right? Doing the same thing over and over again until something happens. Okay, and when we die for others, right, this is what we're doing. When we're, when we're uh, you know, encouraging you, hey, join a GLF, join a small group, right? Come out to Bible study, come out to this, come out to that. Right? We're asking you to go fishing. Most of it's going to be boring, I guarantee you. But there's going to be a time and a place right, where God's going to do something. Right? And you need to be there for a long period of time to appreciate this. We need to live life together for long periods of time in order to gain these things. Right, for you guys that hate fishing, uh, think of amusement parks and roller coasters. You've got to stand in line for 45 minutes to an hour and a half to ride a ride for 45 seconds. Okay? This is next generation ministry. I'm making it sound, you know, like oatmeal, but, uh, but this is life, right? And this is, you know, this is what grows us, okay? Um, I'm not trying to make you a slave to something, right? Oh, man, Pastor Joe's making me join a GLF, right? But I'm trying to set you free, right? Don't be like the toddler, like when you get your toy, mine, mine, and, and, and Pastor Joe's like, no, share. Please share you. Share what God has given you. Share all the bad things God has done in your life. Share all the good things that God has given you in your life. I'm being like your parent right now, saying, stop it. Uh, uh, we're not allowed to hit anymore, so uh, that's just a <laughs> figurative motion. Right? But stop it. Time out. All right, go into the corner and think about this for a minute. I want to give you something better. This is what Jesus is saying. I want to give you something better, right? and you can't get that until you learn to share. All right, so uh, let me start wrapping up and uh, just ask you the questions. Right? Who is your next gen? Think about that. Look around the room. All right, who is your next gen? It doesn't just have to be kids. You know, who's coming after you? All right, and who is Revived Church going to become? All right, so let me finish up with the story. All right, once upon a time, yeah, football head, it's one of our well-known characters. All right, once upon a time, there was a school, and this school wasn't your average school. All right, this school was a school for superheroes. Okay, so here's football head. He wants to be a superhero, and there are many classes in this school. All right, the first class that you have to go through to attend the school and become a uh, superhero one day is the superpower class. Okay, and this is where you learn about your superpowers or you get your superpowers and you explore your superpowers, whether it's x-ray vision or flying through the sky or you know, being strong or shooting lasers out your eyes. You got to learn how to use it, so you got to go through superpower class. All right, the second class we got to learn about is the enemies class. Right? Every superhero needs to learn how to defeat their enemies, what the different types of enemies there are. are okay? And um, we learn their weaknesses. We learn how to defeat them. Right? The third class, this might be fun for some of you, combat training. 
combat training. All right, there's a fist pump in the back. All right, we got to learn to fight, use our weapons, use our abilities. All right, learn how to karate chop people, bad guys. All right, and uh, the fourth class. All right, the all-important class, it sounds boring, but is one of the hardest, and it's called building wealth. All right, and you're like, this is an odd class, but every superhero needs gadgets, right? And gadgets aren't free. Right, have you noticed that most of the superheroes are filthy rich? Right, because you can't be a superhero and be poor. It doesn't work like that. Right, you need fancy cars and invisible jet planes and you know all these like things that you throw and uh, you know masks and uh, that cost money. So you got to learn how to develop this wealth so that you can be filthy rich and that you can buy gadgets. All right. By this time, uh, most of the students, like football head. Um, Want to graduate? When are we going to graduate? When are we going to, you know, learn and go out there and fight the enemies and beat people up and show off all our school cool skills and our money and our gear? When can we do that? Right? But um, the principal of this school always says, you know, there's one more class that everyone needs to go to, right? and this is the most important class for anyone to become a superhero. Okay, and uh, the teacher always said, you know, there's superheroes with great abilities and they're so strong and they can lift up mountains and throw them into the ocean, okay, but they don't pass this class, right? But there are weaklings, right? That all they can do is go like this and some sparks come out of their hands, right? What's, what's that Marvel character's name, Jubilee or something? It's got, nothing happens, okay? But they pass this class and they are great superheroes, right? In this final class, is learning to die, okay, learning to die. Okay, and in this class, you learn to lose everything that you've gotten in life, in these classes, all the abilities that you have, you need to learn to lose those things for other people, okay? When we really think about it, at the core of what a superhero is, uh, whether it's Batman, Robin, Iron Man, whatever it is, the core of what a superhero is is someone that's willing to give their life for other people. That's what makes a superhero a superhero. And that's why Iron Man was like annoying until like many movies later, until he learned to sacrifice himself and become a true hero. Okay? And this is what Christ is teaching us. Okay, Christ is teaching us how to be superheroes with the abilities, the money, the wealth, the knowledge, the uh, privilege that he's given to so many of us to speak into each other's lives. And that never happens until we learn to die for each other, just as Christ died for us. All right, and through that, again, we get the benefit of more Christians, more, we get a better world, we get a better church, we get better relationships, we get better life when we learn to stop thinking about ourselves Right, stop saying mine. Right? There's, I mean, the church reminds me of finding Nemo and all those seagulls, and they're going, mine, mine, mine. Okay, Stop doing that and look to Christ. Let him die for you. Let other people die for you. And let's die for other people. Okay, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, as we think about the next generation, as we think about how you thought about the next generation, uh, you came to give your life. And you came to give everything that you had. Uh, not for you alone, but for us, for our benefit, so that we could be 
uh, daughters and sons like you. And uh, Lord, please teach us to die like Jesus. And that's hard. It's, it's much easier said than done. Uh, but Lord, teach us to love one another in this way. Uh, teach us to love others outside this church in this way, uh, where we die for them and we give um, our whole selves to them, uh, foregoing our own needs, our own wants, and learning to love other people as you loved us uh, so that we can invest in the next generation, so we can see a better world and our best selves, uh, not in ourselves, uh, but through you and through other people. Uh, help us with this, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.